It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Shiny, happy people holding hands. Neil Atkinson, Dave Downey, City Talk 105.9 at the top of the tower. That's with obvious reference to the forthcoming Merseyside derby, but we're not going to talk about that tonight because it's ages away. And frankly, everybody who could be involved could get injured between now and then. Uh, what's the point of speculating over things that you can't even be certain about? What we are going to talk about, though, is one of my favourite things in football, and that is a footballer confronting a supporter uh, at some point during the game over what he said. Sylvan Distan having it out with the Everton away crowd. Dave Downey at once, the cockles of my heart. Yeah, it's, it's one of those uh, funny moments, isn't it, that we see. Uh, it's getting more often, because uh, Sylvan Distan's brilliant with fans on Twitter as well. He's generally one of those genuine players who gets involved a lot, uh, always interacting with fans, always talking to them, will always answer. I mean, I remember when his massive cock up in the derby at Wembley, he was quick to come out on Twitter after that. Um, I've had to, I've just had to escape, Neil, because there's, there's just a, a horde of Evertonians well, who are just so miserable but after Sylvan, this Sylvan didn't want to escape. He wanted to go and say yeah. to them, probably not unreasonably, lads, we haven't conceded a goal for about four games. Uh, we, we, You know, it's... it's it, Yes, it's frustrating to have endless quantities of the ball and not convert it into chances. But the opposite of that is, it's not as though you're giving away cheap goals anywhere on the pitch. It's not as though there's, you know, there's there's not people on kicking Everton's door down, Dave. I think that Sylvan's got in amongst them there and said, lads, it might take a little bit of time, but if you don't think this is the right path, then I think you're wrong. Yeah, well, he's right because the, I mean, it, so you think he's right? I think he's. Absolutely where, the words I've just put in Sylvan Distan's mouth, you think are right? Yeah, I come up with them myself, and I, and I have done over the last few days because. My response to Saturday was hang on, you know. Well, on Sunday evening, actually, after after the weekend's results, the, the really hilarious thing was Everton come out of the weekend better off than when we beat Aston Villa two 0 two weeks ago. It's one of those leagues this season, and and that you know to steal the most obvious cliche, that's what happens in football. Those ridiculous things happen. You look at Tim Krull's performance against Spurs; ridiculous things happen all the time. Um, what gets me is I think a little bit of perspectives needed here. You know. My personal target for Everton this season was 6th to 8th in the Premier League. That's I've revised that quite quickly because I think we're on for something bigger and better than that. Uh, a lot of Blues were really pessimistic when Roberto Martinez took charge. They're even more pessimistic when he made his initial uh, bunch of signings. Three draws in, even further down. Since then, things have been rosy. They've been brilliant. One defeat in, what, 11? Indeed. And, you know... Playing really good football. It's not like you know. It's it's dull football to watch. Yes, sometimes it takes an age to go forward. And, so that's and, and, and you're not creating chances maybe as much as you'd like. Yeah. There's not you know. There's not that idea of, of a series of chances being created. But one thing that is happening is because because Everton have got so much of the ball, it means that the onus is on the opposition to when they get the ball to create quickly. And that's that's the trick here. I mean, there's. I think that one of the issues is if you're only going to score from say I don't know from five five uh, games so far, six goals at home, people are going to get a little bit edgy because that's one of the things that's happened they haven't been banging them in at home but the other side of that though Dave is that you know you've got to respect the solidity you've got to respect the fact that it's just shy of two points a game you've got to you, you've got to come with all this I think if you're Everton supporters at this stage because I've got to be quite honest and say Everton are doing better than I expected them to be doing yeah, I, I completely agree with that, and, and, and it's so, so easy. Ex- expectations rise in this city more than we know. With that. The two groups, sets of fans that we have in this city of our football clubs, I don't think there's anywhere else in the world where expectation changes almost by the second. You look when Liverpool lose a game, you look at that loss to Arsenal, it was panic stations for Liverpool, then you go and win 4-0. It's, you know, we're back to winning the league. It, it, it's 
there needs to be, I think, particularly with Everton as well, considering the context in which this season has come about and the position we find ourselves in, a little bit of perspective needed and a step back needs to be taken. I mean, I, I've seen people saying that, you know, I, I haven't seen a worse performance from Everton in years. That That's just absolute rubbish because... And the thing that I thought we were most guilty of on Saturday was... Yes, we like to have the ball, and it's a new thing for Everton in recent years to control possession of a game. Now, against a side like Palace, who are going to throw 10 men behind the ball at probably every opportunity, you have it. Mm. I, I think that Everton become too comfortable in knocking it sideways. Let's keep the ball. Let's keep the ball. If there's no other option, let's keep the ball. Rather than risk that through ball, that's where we miss Ross Barkley, in my opinion. Um, Osman, a lot of players underperformed, but it just felt... Everton in the comfort zone when they got the ball, there needed to be a risk taken, and that, and that wasn't there. And that's the, and that's not a major thing. I mean, you, you can still win a game doing that as well. It only takes a little tiny little bit of luck. But there's lots of teams that. This is this is one of the things that strikes me. There's lots of teams that that play without the ball, that don't take risks. Yeah. You see what I mean? You know, it's better to play. I think it's it's it, it tends to be nine times out of ten, it's better to have the ball than not to have the ball. And within that, it's better to if you're going to play without risk, it's better to play without risk with the ball. Than play without risk without the ball as well. You know, mm. I think that that's, in a sense, it's more frustrating from a, from from a, a viewing perspective to watch watch your side have a great deal of the ball and feel as though they're not creating it enough because you're looking for someone just to force it, just to try to make something happen a little bit more directly. But I think it's. It's laying down a foundation. I think if you want to see this as a transition season, the only way in which Everton genuinely go upwards post Moyes, genuinely go up, it might involve a little bit of sideways first to get to something else, to then build upon that, to then add two or three more players and get rid of two or three, say, the way, the, the names that have proven themselves unable to, to play at the level the manager wants and then push on. That's the only way in which he's going to do it. And he said, he said himself the target's always going to be Champions League. Yeah, and, and you know, he set that bar and credit to him for doing that. I mean, I've harped on many a time on this show and others about how Moyes sort of reined in expectations like that. Martinez has come in, Champions League's the target, Champions League's the goal. Every time he's been asked if it's a missed opportunity to move into that top four, he's rightly said, well, you, you you don't get any credence for that in yeah. October, November time. Um, the important thing is you stay in touch. And Everton have done that. You know, you see your three points off seconds. You've got Merseyside derby to come. You've got, you know, everything. I can't see where that negativity has come from. To be honest with you, Neil, and it, it's, it's. I think it's. You know, it's the negativity. It doesn't help when you're going into a derby either. The fact I think a lot of fans, the whole disappointment was because it was Crystal Palace it was the opponent rather than the context of the results where it left Everton where they had in the league it was the fact that this was Crystal Palace but you know there'll be there'll be shock results all season there have been well, I mean, have been this weekend yeah absolutely you've, I mean, you look I mean, at Sunderland you, exactly you, you know you, you look at Sunderland's results you look at Newcastle's results you look at Manchester United's results there's loads of shocks in there for everybody mm. lots of things that no one saw coming and so I think that you know it's it, it is going to keep going to keep moving in that sort of manner I think in that sort of direction so I think that it's, I wouldn't put Evans' result down as a shock. It's obviously two points dropped, and mm. I think everyone can be mature enough to say that. But then so far this season, you'd say that Liverpool have dropped have dropped the odd point. You know, and, I, and really since those first three games, I don't think Everton have. You know, you look at the games that they haven't got results in since those first three games. That's um, you know, the, the, the very few on the ground. Didn't expect them to get anything from City, and they, you know, and they didn't mm. get anything from City. And, but that said, you know, City have played five, six games at home now and have scored twenty odd goals. This is a side that knows how to win at home. Yeah. I think it's, I think the problem is. 
I, again, it's and this is what I always felt under Moyes as well. It's being shown the promised land. It's being shown what you're capable of, and they're not quite getting up to it. Let's be honest. If Everton do finish top four this season, they'll have had a season that that verges on perfect to do it. They'll have to have been very, very close to perfect if they're going to pull that off. I read a fantastic article by Christian Walsh um, about Liverpool and what they've done. I mean, I, I listened to you on the phone in on Saturday uh, talking about how Liverpool's side is set up perfectly to just wipe, wipe aside the, the poorer sides in the Premier League. Uh, I think... Everton and others, i.e. Spurs, can take a lot from that. I think that that's a model to look at because, you know, you're, you're winning those games against what bottom twelve sides. You know, you've you've thought you've, you win those two. I think Christian in his article said everyone below, I think it was twelfth um, position. United won against home and away last season. Yeah. You you do that, and they're games you're expected to win as well. Let's yeah. not forget that. Then you know you, you're well onto a winner finishing the top four. So, I, I think you know. Everton, where and he explained as well that Everton have come so high re- lately because of how good their home form's been in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, I just I think that you're gonna you're gonna win and lose games against those sides that are lower down because they're fighting for their lives. You look at Sunderland beating Man City. You put that result in context. Everton have dropped two points there. I, I mean, I was talking to you about a pass score. So Everton have got to go and win a game where they might not necessarily have won. But I'll tell you something, we've won, I think we've won at least two or three games this season where we probably shouldn't have. 2 0 win against Aston Villa. Yeah. Villa Pepper does first half. And there's Chelsea at home. Chelsea at home. West Ham away. 2 1 down. 10 minutes left. Leighton Baines, two free kicks. You know, that doesn't normally happen. Of course. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts. And, and I think it's it's far too easy to jump in the back of a of a poor result like well, that just because it was a missed chance. Again, it's a nice opportunity to take stock. We did this in the last international break. It is actually a nice opportunity to to take stock. I think one of the issues is sort of the, psychologically for everyone is the derby being on the horizon. But it is a chance to sort of look at look at the league table and, and for Everton and say, you know, this is where we are and this is where we expect it to be. And, you know, I said it before, if you'd have said to me, Everton will be a 11 play, 20 points, I'd have said, no. Hmm. I'd, I'd, agree I'd, with put, that. I'd, I'd put them down for four or five points fewer, at the very least four or five points fewer. And I think that I think I certainly think a lot of Liverpoolians would have done that full stop. But I think a fair few Evertonians would have done as well. Yeah. I think that the collective expectation was that Everton would start slowly and grow into Martinez. Whereas you know it, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't have surprised me if you said Everton will take twenty points from the second eleven games. Mm. But I wouldn't have felt they'll take twenty points from the first eleven. So if the, you know if the improvement can come from from where they already are, then it's it bodes well. But I think that you know there's there's key aspects to all of this sort of stuff and it's interesting you cite those games <clears throat> the idea of the games against the poorer sides because we are odd as football supporters we'd love to see our football teams compete every single week against every single side and and, and be set up to, 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 to go everywhere and do everything and, and that's what we want but there is now growing you know an argument to say that there's a number of ga- the games that you think matter the most might actually be the ones that matter the least and I think that that's something which in a football sense is just completely counterintuitive it's not the way in which we expect our football to be we, we, it almost knocks us aside that sort of thing and I think it's because we don't sort of want to acknowledge fundamentally football's very dull and it's the same thing happening week after week against the very similar teams week after week who don't get any better Fulham turned up and couldn't have been more yeah. like Fulham you know it's like it, it really it's groundhog season you've got more Fulham or not yeah. more Fulham yes sadly there's going to be more Fulham just as there was more West Brom West Brom turned up to 
Anfield and that's exactly what they did the season before Liverpool just dealt with it much better this season against West Brom and put the ball in the back of the net but they weren't any more or less West Brom than yeah. they were the previous season and ultimately these games what you can almost call the groundhog games against these sides who broadly speaking don't have the money or the intelligence or the long term vision to change therefore they just—they're just there for the sides who are coming in the top half of the table, just to lay waste to Dave. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think generally there's a lot of chess beating goes on in in the, the Premier League amongst the top six to eight. Let's say let's call it a top eight now. Um, you know, well, obviously with the exception of Southampton, it's just been revel- revelation this season. You look at the bottom half of the Premier League, and it is atrocious. I think. I think it's it, it is filth. I think the, the, team, the, the, the only side in there in that bottom half that that looks worth a carrot is Swansea. Yeah, and everyone else, everyone else down to West Brom a tenth. West Brom look like they could be half decent, and that's why that's where you that's why Liverpool will come up smelling like a, you know a, a basket of roses because that side, like you rightly said on Saturday, looks completely tailor-made to sweep aside the poorer the poorer teams in that league and I think it's a, it's a mentality thing where you know you, you, you still take a point I think a lot of sides in that top eight in the Premier League you still go away from home regardless of the opposition with exceptions to the bottom three and you still think we take a point here and win your home games you generally accept that that's still two points a game Liverpool's mentality seems to be well these these are rubbish and we will we will prove that so well, that, that is most definitely to come for Liverpool Liverpool have got to prove that we'll talk more about that in a second just to sort of sum this sort of thing up for instance I noticed Rooney's come out and said that the aim is to be top by Christmas talking about Manchester United the aim is to be top by Christmas and the point about United getting a result against um, against Arsenal this weekend is they got a result it wasn't entirely dissimilar to the way in which we beat Liverpool in the League Cup but the other side of that is What's been happening this season is sides have got it United home and away. Sides from that bottom half, they haven't had that same assurance. They haven't had, even for instance, Sunderland getting a goal ahead with half an hour to go. United looked panicked, they looked stretched. Uh, you know, West Brom did get the result against them. Sides have gone to Old Trafford and, and, and overturned what's normally been happening. And that's the challenge that you've got in order to, to, to win through in this division. Uh, this is all in the game. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey will be talking about Liverpool 4, Dimitar Berbatov's Fulham nil just after this break. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game, Neil Atkinson and David Downey. Talked about Everton part one. We're going to talk a bit more about Liverpool in part two. It's this, the, and, and the aspect of it we'll talk about is that this Liverpool side is indeed currently very much shaped up to beat poorer teams and to, not just to beat them, but to, to put them to the sword as well. It, it puts Liverpool's season in, in, in quite an odd position, really, which is, I think, what Dave was driving at before, which is there are there are more poor sides than there are good ones. Liverpool thus far have dropped points to Southampton. Uh, they've dropped points to Arsenal. Uh, two defeats, one at home, one away. And then they've drawn with Swansea, who, who I think are a decent side, but they're, they're going to struggle this season with the uh, with the two games in a week uh, with the UEFA and Newcastle, <clears throat> who've had strong results since drawing with Liverpool at St James's Park. They've um, they've got themselves a, a win against Chelsea. and a, 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 Sorry, was it, it was a win against Chelsea and a win against Spurs uh, one of those is away from home as well so ultimately on this Dave it is this is the thing there are more poor sides than there are good ones Liverpool though the key part of this is you know you look at Liverpool's two away wins one's against Aston Villa and the other one is against it's completely escaped me Joel's here who's what's the other one Say it quick, just say it loud. Um, oh, Joel, this is bad radio. I presumed you'd know. Uh, we'll worry that's about poor that. form from him. That. Poor form from him. That I, I, I assume that Joel would know. I'll work it out in a second as to who the side that uh, that Liverpool, the other away team, Liverpool, Sunderland away. That's the one. The three-one oh, victory. Yeah. Excellent. Great work, Joel. Um, those games now. Liverpool, 
for Liverpool, they've got one of those between now and Christmas. And in a sense, everyone's going to talk about the Merseyside derby now for two weeks because it's going to feel like it's massive. But in a sense, it's almost bigger for Liverpool to get a win at Hull. And one of the reasons for that is the very theory that you've got to do it against these sides. That it, you, If Liverpool drew a hotly contested Merseyside derby with Everton and then beat Hull then they can go, well, we're doing this thing, this thing that we're good at. We've gone to Hull. We've got the win. It's a difficult place to go. They know what they're doing. They're having a decent enough season themselves. They're sitting sitting nicely in 12th place so far and picking up points here and there. Um, so far, Hull's, Hull's home record is uh, played 5-1-3, drawn 2. So they not lost yet at home. So, you know, it's not easy... So if Liverpool pull that out of the bag, then everyone gets to go, well, at least we're doing the thing we're good at. Whereas if they win the Merseyside derby and then drop points to Hull, then exactly the sort of thing you're talking about, Dave, with the Everton response to the Crystal Palace result will come out, oh no, what does this say about us? And in a sense, it's all, you know, it's obviously fantastic to beat mm. Everton, it's something that you want to do. But if your side has got a certain identity, we put poor sides to the sword, we have this great strike force, we've got two gloriously creative midfielders in Gerrard and Coutinho we've got the best attacking right back in the country in Glenn Johnson beating rubbish is what we do mm. then as long as you're still doing what you're meant to be doing you can work the rest out later what you don't want to do is become inconsistent well that's the obvious challenge for, for Rodgers isn't it um, you know it's glaringly obvious his record's not great against the bigger teams but I'll tell you what whilst there are more poorer sides than there are good ones uh, the, the obvious thing to say about it and I, I'm being careful not to contradict myself here because um, I watch Liverpool with envy against these smaller sides the you know the, the, the poorer sides in the league um, and by that account I should be really angry about Everton's results on Saturday because Crystal Palace are one of the worst Um but you know, if you're doing that thing, if you've got that thing that you're good at, I think it's hugely underestimated for one. And you know, just the, the simple maths of it is, is the more poor side, and you're beating every single one of them, and you're getting a point, you can scramble a point, even if your record's a, a poorer one against those top sides. You know, Liverpool still find themselves second in the league off it. Well, Nobody else has cracked that nut, and and. That that's the thing I think that's gone on slip on the radar. Arsenal, but Arsenal have as well. Arsenal have beaten you know Arsenal's yeah. record. They've lost to they've, they've lost to Villa. Uh, they've drawn one other away game and they've also lost now now lost to Manchester United. You know they bought so West Brom was the away game that they drew. Yeah. Uh, again, it, it, it probably fall into that bracket between. There's, there's I, th- I think there's probably Newcastle and West Brom and maybe Swansea yeah. in the bracket between the poorer sides and the clear good and, sides. And this is this is the thing that I mean about, about you know <laughs> wanting to beat your chest. You want to be the king of the jungle, don't you? You want to be on top of those biggest. You want to go away, beat United away, and say, "Look at us! We're, you know, we're the best away team in the Premier League." But you get the same as you get for Hull. Exactly. What exactly. You, what, the you same have done, what you have done is you obviously stopped them from picking points up. But then I'd say the yeah. same thing. But that's a key part of a draw as well. I think Liverpool's challenge, looking at those those larger games coming up, the derby, uh, but also looking beyond that, Spurs, Chelsea, Manchester City, all before the year ten, is actually to ensure that they don't lose. I think that if Liverpool can find a way not to lose, certainly against Spurs, against City, and against Chelsea, if they can find what keeps them in those games and let's remember they drew two of those games last season and were unlucky not to draw against Spurs if they can find work out what that is then they begin to get somewhere and we've seen now I thought the other interesting thing about Fulham was we actually saw some clues for that as well um, everything that needs to be said uh, about Suarez about Gerrard about Sturridge, about Coutinho, about Johnson, even about Henderson has been said. What was interesting against Fulham was what happened after Joe Allen came on. And Liverpool became much more horizontal um, in a manner which frustrates you. Frustrate, you know, you were talking before about Everton, you know, it seems sideways. at times yeah. like you're going sideways when you could be going forward. And certainly when, at that point, Fulham felt so rocky, they were so there for the taking, that you thought, you know, this could be six, it could be seven, let's do that instead. But what was fascinating about it was 
They were still creating chances, Liverpool. They were still had that spark, but they were looking for rather than have Gerrard, who's so eager to to make it happen from the centre of the pitch. You had Alan, who was prepared to take his time a little bit more. Who's prepared to pick another man out, find one more ball, find an overlapping runner. Let's not let's not rush this, boys. Let's start again. Let's come back and go again. And that's something that Liverpool have lacked, really genuinely lacked. And what's excellent is the way in which. The performance that dovetails with both with both Alan and Gerard is Lucas in that when Gerard's on and it needs to, and it's going quickly, Lucas was making it go quickly. When Alan came on and it was slower, Lucas was happy to go slower and he was happy to play both ways. And I think there's the beginnings of an answer for a cup two, three, four of Liverpool's key questions that have actually come out of that Fulham game. The other thing that was noticeable as well was the fifteen minutes after the break. And I'll concentrate on those 15 minutes because I don't think it was pre-planned. The 15 minutes after the break, in the gap between when uh, Alan comes between half time and Alan comes on for Gerard, Gerard was everywhere. Mm-hmm. He had 15 minutes of being absolutely everywhere on the football pitch, looking to make it happen, uh, looking to score. He was desperate to get a goal because almost certainly it's gone in a three 0 at half time. He's got a minor issue with his hip, and the manager said, "Stephen, probably going to hook you on 60-65." And he's launched at that second half. He's absolutely put body and soul into that second half. Why, though, Neil, just sorry to interrupt you, but why, though, is there such a gulf in that and what happened at Arsenal? Well, that's the key part, and this is where we come back to it. The key thing is, I think, Fulham sit off Liverpool. That obviously helps. They're obviously not very good. This is another clear thing, and they're not very well motivated at the moment. They're also stupid. And I think this is really important, is that we, you know, Liverpool's players... All those players I mentioned before, they're all good technical players and they're all so comfortable on the ball. And the other key thing as well is they can beat a man. One of them can pick a ball up. Any one of the players I named before can pick a ball up and beat a man. Uh, The exceptional Lucas Lever and Joe Allen, and Joe Allen's all right under under pressure as well. But of all the other players I've named so far, Liverpool players, they all love to beat a man. So what happens is that Steve Sidwell and uh, Corporal Parker jog around central midfield, (laughs) getting in amongst things. And all they want to do is they just want to come like that. They just want to go, boom, I've got you to close you down. But you can't do that to Coutinho. Coutinho wants Steve Sidwell to be steaming in in right behind him because he's just going to go, boom, 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 you're on the deck, I've turned and I've gone. And these sides, they're not not good enough mentally to know how they cover this space and how they stop Liverpool from playing. And then they're not good enough to know how they need to play themselves to undermine Liverpool and get at them. Because fundamentally, they're technically weaker. They're physically, at times, a little bit weaker. I thought Fulham looked really unfit at the weekend really really unfit uh, Joel's nodding his agreement he was, he was at the game as well they, they did look really unfit um, they, they, but critically they're less tactically they're not tactically astute enough to deal with Liverpool whereas Arsenal the week before Mikel Arteta worked a lot of things out on the football pitch put Liverpool into little areas that they didn't want to be in undermined them they went the three at the back they pulled them they put, essentially had five in midfield all crowding around and they were able to play around a Liverpool midfield that if it's got this weakness that it has got, it can't put itself about as much as it'd like. So they were just picking it off and just going bump, 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 and they were hurting Liverpool. The thing is this: most of the sides that come to Liverpool can't do that. They just can't do it. Mm. They're just t- not technically good enough. Um, they're just simply not sound enough to be able to do it. So what Liverpool need to do, and I genuinely think that this is the key thing that Liverpool need to do, yep, yeah, is they need to find that, that their answer to what they do in the second half of the season when the fixtures are reversed. And this is the key now the key thing I think for Liverpool looking at the rest of the season. I expect I expect home wins in every home game between now and Christmas. So they're in the bag. I expect a win at Hull. What Liverpool need to need, need to solve, and they don't even necessarily need to solve them before Christmas, but it'd be nice if they could, is how to get results against these better sides. But also these sides are going to come to Anfield. 
at the moment Liverpool have only played Manchester United at Anfield in the second half of the season everyone out on Southampton everyone else who's in the top eight comes to Anfield and they're going to come to Anfield and they're going to play on the front foot and they're going to want the football and they're going to want to play in Liverpool's half and they're going to want to still get at Liverpool they think they've got a chance whereas Fulham turn up West Brom turn up, Norwich will turn up, West Ham will turn up and put 10 men behind the ball and Liverpool will go, that's brilliant. Because we've got loads of lads who can just beat you. They'll just beat you. They'll just pull you out of position. They'll just make it happen against you. They'll all do it. If one of them's having an off day, for instance, storage at the weekend, if he's having an off day, well, Coutinho's playing really well and Suarez is the best the best striker in the division. Or Suarez is having a bit of an off day this week. That's fine. We've got Daniel Sturridge. Yeah. Or break glass emergency there's Steven Gerrard and by the way what are you doing about our right back yeah and football footballers can only do so much you know one football team can only deal with so much and if you aren't smart enough if you aren't quite fit enough if you aren't technically sound enough if you aren't able to put a plan together we'll just pull you apart yeah it's fascinating to hear you say that actually and it's also I think it's a fascinating dilemma for the manager um, the way the Premier League looks at the moment I mean there is such a mass I mean I didn't realise until this week and we, we, you've spoken about it quite a lot this season about you know it was set in stone quite early the way that the Premier League was going to shape up, top eight, you know, you had your bottom five or six sides who were going to scrap for relegation. The narrative was set, wasn't it? And it, it's an interesting dilemma as a manager where, you know, you, it, it's not so much now, treat every game as it comes. Like you say, Liverpool, the, the way they're set up at the moment, you're probably thinking, well, you do put those points in the bag at home, bad and complete disaster. But, but what happened last season was that uh, James Collins had the best game I've ever seen James Collins have against Luis Suarez. He was terrific against him and nothing else quite ran for Liverpool and they got a nil-nil. Yeah. But they got a nil-nil. And it was they were only ever getting a nil-nil. Um, yeah, and the, the, the keeper was fantastic. There was three or four excellent saves. You know, they got a nil-nil. And I think that this is... The point now is, Liverpool play Norwich, for instance, let's use this as an example. When Liverpool play Norwich and West Ham, it's on the 4th of December, and that's a Tuesday night, uh, Liverpool play Norwich, and then they play West Ham on the Saturday. So what, what I wonder is, what are Norwich's games either side? Because mm. they've got to come all the way to Liverpool, and if Chris Hooten's still in charge, does Chris Hooten look at that and go, you know what? We're not getting anything from this. <laughs> Liverpool have won. I've played six league games at home. It's a game you give up. As, won as a lesser side, does it? he think I'll, yeah. I'll pretty much give this up? Because it felt like Fulham did. And then the other side of that is, West West Ham got the game immediately before. Did they have a look at it and go, "We'll tell you what, we'll put all of our energies into those first two games, which might both be home games, by the way. We'll put all of our energies into yeah. both of those games. We need to just get the points on the board cynically where we can. And if we get anything at Anfield, obviously Allardyce will have them prepared, but it's a bonus. And that's the word, cynical. You, 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 and ruthless. You've got to be about this. You know regardless of entertainment value and the, the sky factor and whatever when when sides come there and think hang on we'll give this game up Liverpool just simply say sound alright yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take it from you we'll happily we'll devour you you will be the animal and we'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll just rip you apart I think the likes of Everton and maybe to, well certainly this weekend Spurs you still have that naivety of respect inside, you know, when they come to to Goodison or to, go also, to White Hart Lane. There's also you get a, you get you know, you get something stamped on your forehead. I think I actually think that Everton don't get as much respect as you as you think they do. There, yeah. for instance, we said we were talking at the break, and you're saying to me Everton have only lost one in twenty nine. I think solving what you're up against away from home is the tricky thing that Moyes didn't manage to do. Mm. Too many draws last season when Everton were in winning positions and that sort of stuff. Um, and it's still the challenge for Martinez, but also at home. You you know, you can't be having the sloppy draws, really. That's what kicks you on. But I think that, for instance, now, I think that um, Spurs have got the sign on the foreheads. We can be got at. Um, and I think that 
if you play a certain way, you can get at us. City have clearly got it on the road. For a side that should be romping this division, they've got it on the road. Suddenly Chelsea look like they've got it. Whereas Liverpool and Arsenal, and I'd say, as I say, I would include Everton in this, have now got this aura of it's very difficult to get anything out of our place. And as soon as you begin to get that, that's where it becomes interesting. Yeah. And that's the David Moyes question at Manchester United. That's the Manchester United question. Thus far, it looks like that's gone, and that's what they've got to restore. You've got to restore this idea that you become a written-off game, that you become the game where you just go, ah, oh, well. And I think at the moment, for all... Uh, it's Arsenal's next game now is massive. Be a home game. They've really got to just get three points from it because if, as long as they get back on, get back on the horse, get moving, push themselves forward, then I think people will still have that for them. They'll think we don't want to attack these because we'll get cut open. Mm. Whereas the best thing you could do if you came to Anfield is what Southampton did, yeah. which is get in Liverpool's half, yeah. close them down, harry them all over the pitch, be confident enough to play football, knock it round. Liverpool will let you because they can't get bar two or three of the players. They can't get close enough, and I think that's the way in which it set them up. But then you're not telling me that, for instance, on the first of um, January, Steve Bruce is going to send that pull out after a congested Christmas period and say lads when he's running all game at this Liverpool team and pushing them absolutely everywhere they're not able to do it and they're not able to do it generally speaking and they wouldn't have the energy mm. this is City Talk 105.9 this is on the game I feel like I've talked loads we'll talk about something else in part 3 see you in a minute it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9 it is City Talk 105.9. We're just having a good conversation in the studio there with our uh, producer, Jake, and Joel Richards, who's sitting in very, very uh, interesting stuff. Um, and what we were talking about was this notion that the longer it becomes, the longer it's a top eight, the more that suits Liverpool and Everton. Um, Joel pointed out that next, when Liverpool play Everton, Arsenal play Southampton uh, that weekend, United have to go to Cardiff. That more points can be dropped that whilst it is a top eight then inevitably most weekends some of those sides will be playing each other which means that someone will be dropping points so while all these sides remain competitive in and around each other Dave what does that mean that means that as long as you get the impression Arsenal can take points off Spurs Spurs can take points off Southampton Arsenal can take points off Liverpool Liverpool can take points off Manchester United it just means that ultimately it this is very much working in, in specifically in Liverpool's interests with reference to an Arsenal's, with reference to being able to, to, to put those sides to the sword where you, who you should. Yeah, you, you put those sides to bed. I mean, you, teams are going to beat each other and amongst that top eight is much of a muchness with, with a lot of them. You know, you're probably going to get... Because by now I thought someone had come with a run. Yeah, you're probably going to get a lot of uh, 1-0 home wins as we've seen United-Arsenal. There's not going to be a lot between sides. So you're probably going to see draws, one-goal wins either way. But you're certainly not going to see someone, you know, out of the top four as it used to be, go win all six of their fixtures against them. You, you know, you're not going to see that this season. Man City's the enigma for me, uh, and Chelsea as well. You, yeah, you, you think one of Man City and Chelsea are just going to sort this out? That's my thing. My thing. Is, I've been thinking that for about the last five weeks, and, yeah. and it still hasn't happened. So I don't know whether it's going to materialise or not. I think City are more likely than Chelsea. Do you think so? I think City. And I, I actually think I think if the rem- league remains scrappy, I expect Chelsea to win it. If someone comes with a run. I think it'll be Manchester City because I think they're so irresistible at home. Uh, you, you know, I'm, I've just I looked at the figures there. It is played five, scored twenty, um, conceded only two. That you know they just do need to to begin to pick up those points away from home. And if they can can do that, mm. then I think that they've got they've got the, the the pedigree to kick on and go from there. And I think that the, the other thing as well is you know if you've got that many goals and you if you're creating the number of chances that City are practically every time they take to the field because a lot of the defeats that City have had they've been frustrated. And I think that's a key thing they've been frustrated. They haven't frustrated themselves, but they've just been frustrated yeah. by the opposition. So I, th- I think you know having the top goal difference it counts for something. I expect to see them. If anyone's going to come with a run, I think it's City. But as I say, if no one comes 
problems with the run. The league's won with 82 points. Yeah. It's scrappy. It stays scrappy. Then I expect the uh, the sheer world-weary, astonishing cynicism of Mourinho to um, to, to, to grind uh, Chelsea over the line mm. in some way, shape or form. But, I mean, you, it really is. Uh, you'll never know. It's probably the closest you ever get me talking up a Liverpool title bid. But I think that the way in which top sides will take points off each other, I think, that, I mean, that's the other side of the coin, isn't it, to beating the big sides, you know, to beating the, the, the lesser sides as Liverpool have done so far this season. If those big sides are squabbling amongst each other, you know, it's it's the scenario, the second mouse often gets the cheese, and uh, I think that, that'll play until, you know, you carry on doing what you're good at, it only it doesn't the, the, them big matches don't mean as much as they used to because the the, the same so three points that, that's what I mean. So that by that logic, I certainly think Liverpool. You can't rule Liverpool out of, of getting it having a title chance. I know you're probably looking to say because you're superstitious or whatever. I I I think the the longer it goes on like this, the more and more Liverpool will see themselves as as a big big challenger. I think it needs to stay like this, but I think that the, the, the phrase I always use is plausible hope, and I think there's plausible hope at the moment for Liverpool that they can come uh, that they that they can win the league. I think it's a it's a plausible hope. It doesn't seem like it's a ridiculous sentence. We did this the other week. I, I you know I read out a series of team names and said they were going to win the league, and not. None of them convince. None of them you, you convince yourself with either. Everyone's got massive question marks all of a sudden, much more so again than I really thought we'd have at this stage. Um, I really didn't think you'd be looking at Arsenal, Liverpool first and second. I didn't think you'd necessarily be looking at you know Liverpool in second place on 23 points. I expected to see played 11. Chelsea are sitting on 29. City are sitting on 28. That sort of thing. And, yeah. and you, you know, there's been that game between them that's maybe separated. Which bog first. standard yeah. season. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a bog standard season with them kicking on. But the other thing again, and this is why I think you do get frustrated suddenly with Crystal Palace results uh, and I understand the Everton frustration is because whilst it remains like this there's also a plausible hope that Everton can come top four I think it's very plausible that Everton can come top four I think whilst they've got the home record that they've got in the same way that Liverpool have got this record against the poorer sides that they've got if Everton can keep kicking on from where they are and keep putting those results on the board and they go the season or close to the season unbeaten at home then you know, it, it is therefore frustrating not to pick up your three points against Crystal Palace. I understand the frustration. I understand the fellow that Distan's talking to because he wants to see. You know, it, that really is too dropped because then you know you're sitting there, you're on, um, you know, you're on 22, you're on 22 from 11, and it feels like you know this is mm. genuinely possible. But I think that that's because it is genuinely possible. Yeah. If these sides do can squabble amongst themselves, then someone could just nip in. And I think you know, I think that it's it's just a fascinating season. It's becoming, I think, the most interesting season has been for years there's no clear dominance there's no two horse race you think about last season's league title title it was decided by December City yeah. had given up it was a pathetic defence of a league title from City last season and now Dave you do think you know it wouldn't surprise you genuinely wouldn't surprise you if after 17 games Southampton a second or something like that yeah I mean you know we, we, tough, tough on the fixtures to come we spoke before we come on air about Southampton next three games I think it's City Arsenal Chelsea Um and normally you'd say when when a side does that well so early on, you normally say that's when the bubble will burst. But it's you know there's every chance the way Southampton have played this season, the way they play as well, particularly with the high pressing, high intensity game, players like Schneiderlin who are revelation, like I said earlier on. You know there's every chance they can go to places and and win those games, and that's the fascinating thing about Everton for me this season because 
Yeah, there's the, there's the high intensity big home games like the Derby. You expect performances. Chelsea at home, you'd expect a performance. Everton come out in those games. That's nothing new. The thing that I want to see from Martinez, and if you know he didn't he didn't really come up, you know, trumps against City away. But I want to see Everton when we go to Old Trafford. I want to see Everton when we go to Anfield. That is the thing that I'm really interested in with this Martinez side, and. Southampton seem to have cracked that. They, they seem well. They seem to have created the impression that they've cracked that. At, that at the moment, will. the big away game that Everton have had, City and yeah. City are irresistible at home. I don't think many sides will get much from them this season. They've been yeah. irresistible at home for three years, frankly, and mm. they've just looked better this season. So it's tough at City, but you know you do think Arsenal, Liverpool got at Arsenal and Jordan. What was the, probably their poorest display of the season? Liverpool still got at them. Liverpool themselves can be got at. Southampton have shown that. Chelsea can be got at. United can be got at. There's no reason. And Tottenham yeah. got beat at the weekend. There's no reason why Everton can't look at any of the remaining. Away games against these sides and think, yeah, we can get something. Yeah, it's it's the mentality thing for me that, that is so um, interesting and, and, and f- it really does fascinate me because the Moyes thing is like a dark cloud lo- looming over us in terms of away games against big sides because we so often didn't show up or so often we go there and, to quote him, take a knife to a gunfight. Yeah. That attitude, well, it needs to. I'm confident it has gone out the window, but it needs to be eradicated completely from you know Everton's narrative in recent years, and they need to go there with fresh belief. We've got we've got a squad that can trouble any team, and I think that needs to be cemented in the players' heads. And I can understand if it is going to be difficult, and you are going to get those days at Crystal Palace where Everton go there, maybe respect them a little bit too much, maybe aren't as ruthless as they should be, because that lingering doubt still is still fested within them. That's what will be so interesting post-Christmas, I think, when Martinez really has a good chance in January as well, maybe to add a few, but also, you know, it's a good solid six months of work with these lads. You know, maybe... It's his time to shine. Come then, maybe now for just now. It's more square pegs and round holes. Well, do the Martinez question as well is that is Wigan side famously was stronger second half of the season yeah. than first half of the season. And Everton have notoriously been like that as well. Yeah, but it used to solve a lot of problems. He used to see, feel as though he's working things out. So if he's working that sort of stuff out, then then you know I think it's. Um, it, it, it's, it bodes well, it, but you know, I, I just I just think at the moment it's it's the key thing is and going into the Merseyside derby over the next couple of weeks with the terrible international break, it's being upbeat, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. And and you know, I, I I'm really looking forward to the, what the second portion of the season. It, the, all these international breaks seems like England have played more than our teams, doesn't it? It does indeed. Too much Hodge, not enough Liverpool Football Club, not enough Everton Football Club. That's all in the game. We'll see you next week. <laughs> It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.